Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, AmSpa President and COO Kathy Christensen is in conversation with Laura Caceres, Practice Manager and Partner of Dermatique Laser and Skin, Brandon Mullen, BSN, RNBC Practice Manager of Ayana Atelier Aesthetic and Wellness Studios, and Rebecca McAbee, Practice Manager and COO of Disappearing Act Medical Aesthetics and Jubilant Medical Aesthetics. Welcome to Medical Spa Insider. My name is Kathy Christensen. I'm the President and COO of the American Med Spa Association, and I'm delighted to be joined today by three incredible owners and practice managers um, in the medical spa space that um, I have had the privilege of getting to know very, very well and and have been working with them on a fun project for Medical Spa Show. But um, before we get into all that, I'd love for you to meet um, our panel of three uh, practice managers. So I'll let them introduce themselves and kind of tell you a little bit about them and the industry and the way they're serving the industry. And then we'll kind of go from there. So Laura, do you want to start us out? Sure. Um, My name is Laura Caceres. I'm practice manager and partner of a medical spa located in Geneva, Illinois. I am a veteran in the industry. Kathy and I go way back with Skinny Magazine, so many, many years ago. Um, So primary focus at at this level of where we are at is really focusing on my ability to teach and give back to those who are, well, it's a new owner or attempting to be an owner because it can be the scariest thing in the world to do. So I am at a place where I really want to help somehow break the barrier where so many think that this is um, an easy task, but it's not. And um, I just have a lot to share and kind of help bridge those gaps. Awesome. Thank you. Brandon, why don't you tell us about yourself? Hello, my name is Brandon Mullen. I am a registered nurse practice manager of Iona Atelier Aesthetic and Wellness Studios in uh, Alexandria in Middleburg, Virginia. Um, I also do a little bit of consulting on the side. Um, I love to help practices that are more focused in uh, the solo injector business model. That is what Ashley Carmen, who's the owner and founder of Iona, um, really um, kind of baked whenever she uh, was in COVID and really thought that she wanted to create her own experience. So I have been managing her practice for over the past three years, and we have strategically scaled to three locations, including wellness now. Um, and I'd love to help people that, um, like as Laura alluded to, are starting out in the industry and don't really know if this is appropriate for them. Uh, this is not a part-time gig. This is not something that is done on the weekends in your spare time. Um, you know, it's it's a very uh, full-time and committed uh, operation. So I'd love to help those kind of businesses uh, flourish. All right, thank you. And Rebecca? Hi, I'm Rebecca McAbee. I am the practice manager and uh, recently appointed COO of Disappearing Act Medical Aesthetics in Redding, California. And and newly and jubilant medical aesthetics in Ashland, Oregon. So it's a, a lot of a lot of things to say. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, I started out in medical aesthetics in 2016, joined Julie Bass Kaplan's small practice here in Redding, California. It was really just a small, almost kind of mom and pop feel uh, practice. It was very small and intimate, but we've scaled over the years. We've grown to over eight providers in this one location. As I mentioned before, I just recently scaled to another small practice in uh, Ashland, Oregon. And it's just, it's been a fun, crazy, wild ride, this whole world of medical aesthetics. Um, but what I've found over the last year or two, just even being at different conferences, meeting new people, there's there's been this need for more understanding of, of what a practice manager's role is, or even what a practice manager is. It, it's mm -hmm. such a... Uh, wide range of hats that we all wear as practice managers. And I feel like, especially um, in medical aesthetics, we don't really understand that role very well as a whole. So I've had a lot of people reach out to me through uh, just colleagues or, or um, people that Julie know and knows in the industry, um, asking a lot of questions throughout the couple, last couple of years. So I'm really just kind of like jumping in to try to give back, um, just like like Brandon and Laura had said of sharing our experience of of how we've had success and even some failures because it's mm -hmm. all kind sure. of trial and error over Very the last. Oh, yeah. year. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to be able to um, have a voice in this space and hopefully give some encouragement and and just. Throw, throw everything out there, whatever anybody wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. And I, I we've had several conversations, the um, kind of the four of us. And then, you know, I've obviously had a chance to get to know you all quite well individually. And one of the things that kind of the common themes that just kept coming back is that the practice manager space in this industry is somewhat unfulfilled in the fact that, you know, your, your professionals, your clinical professionals, a lot of them have community, um, oftentimes within uh, AIA or AMSPA or just through Facebook groups or different kind of regional groups that you have. That community has been built out. But behind the scenes, um, and this is obviously near and dear to my heart because I am a, a COO as well. So I'm a, a chief operating officer. So I'm the logistics and I'm the make it happen person, just like you are. Um, there's a lot going on there. And I, I, there's, as you said, Rebecca, I think there are lots and there on every level, there are lots of different ways to kind of find success in this industry. And I would say that's probably the case with practice management as well. You have to kind of go with the flow of what your um, kind of clinical clinicians want to do, what your um, what your audience, what your clients want to see and how they want to do business with you. So I'm just very grateful to have you here. I'm grateful that you've kind of opened your your a uh, vast wealth of knowledge to our um, group. Uh, as we've kind of alluded to, Medical Spa Show, we have on Sunday, April 14th, um, in the morning, the full morning, um, Brandon, Laura, and Rebecca have agreed to join us for a fully kind of interactive uh, mentor, mentoring, mentor-based um, networking practice management roundtable. Um, it's the full morning. So it's from nine to 1145. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of want to get into that. But first of all, before we do, I'd love to kind of know what you all feel are 
are the parts of practice management and medical aesthetics that are are maybe the most challenge or challenging or even the most rewarding for you and and how can you know by communing together how does that help make it easier or or make you have the ability to learn more um, about your business and your kind of career path I can go first mm-hmm. I, I think Kathy you hit on a lot of those triggers really well it's you know you are learning as you go type of there is no training there's no training you know nowhere to go to learn how to do this and I do think that there is definitely a gap between all of our large pharma companies and training processes or you know for your nurse practitioners your physicians and the gap is there for sure but looking back I've been through the years I was able to reflect on what was some of the biggest differences that um, we were able to move forward from and get us to the level where we're at. And for sure, for sure, you learn from those who are walking in those shoes. And if it wasn't for the industry and things that I was able to be part of on um, some executive board platforms that I was lucky. And at that time, we were this little tiny fleck in the sand. Mm-hmm. And being in front of other offices that were at that time substantially larger than we were, but it created a very strong mentorship. And I'm going back probably 10 years at least. And some of the power packed sessions that we were a part of, I learned the most from those people sitting next to me and those tools. And it could be something so simple to you know, memberships or running a front desk or running brilliant distinctions at the time, what, what, whatever it was, employee management, inventory, any of those doing events, every one of our successes is something I've learned from somebody else, as in 99% of us. I mean, we learn from those who are doing it well. Of course, you know, you got to take a t- few stumbles along the way. I always say for new new owners, you know, it's not a matter of how much money you will lose. You will, you know, you learn that way as well. But being a part of a group or association or somebody who's walking in those shoes has always been our key to success on our things that we were able to rise above. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, early on, I believe it was 2000, well, 2019, um, Julie and I joined AMSPA, and that was huge for me. Up until that point, I was really just going off of my previous experience from a corporate sales position that I had had previous. So I was just trying to take what I had already known about managing, about sales, about customer service, man- and especially managing people. That That's a big one. But uh, taking all those and trying to morph it into what I thought would work for for our our field of medicine um and then joining AMSPA going to that first AMSPA conference that was like you know what does Oprah say like the aha moment yeah, like, yeah. Oh my yeah. Goodness. there's others out there oh and, and so yes. it was it glomming on to those um those other people that were out there I mean I remember doing a class um like Terry Ross had a class and um uh, Nicole, 
Sheramonte. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and where a lot of it was like more, more business, but, but going into medical aesthetic business. And Mm -hmm. that was huge because in Redding, California, I don't know if anybody's really familiar. We call it like the real far NorCal. We're like, we're so close to the Oregon border, but we're a small community. So disappearing act, we're the first med spa up here. We're the first laser center, um, no, so it wasn't like I had local colleagues I could reach out to or anybody really um, who knew what kind of position I was in, what kind of position our practice was in. So I agree, Laura, for us, too, it was really in those early years um, glomming on to other other people in our same position. But it was having to search outside of our little bubble, finding those. That's yes, for sure. Camp spa. Um, so yeah. I, I, I Certainly didn't mean to leave out um, AMSPA. AMSPA, I am one of the original OGs and Alex, I mean, he, he, he originally was, it was, used to be called something else. And I started with him because you're desperately trying to grab anything that you can learn from. So that's how many years ago we've been working with AMSPA, literally for years. But yeah. yes, definitely a huge part of our positioning and learning and learning tools and being in front of people. So I didn't mean to leave them out. I'm a huge fan. Oh, we appreciate that. Always little plug for us. (laughs) I'm sitting here trying to think of my first exposure. And I know when I first started working for Ashley, she had opened up her practice in January of 21. And within three months, she was fully booked, losing her mind, couldn't figure out how to do the website, check people out. She wanted to do a membership, but didn't know how. And she's like, can you do this, this, and this? And I said, no, I can't, but I'll figure it out. So I know my first six months were very like, just trying to figure out how to meet her needs. And I think that's been my biggest challenge, or was my biggest challenge, was figuring out how integrated she wanted me to be in the practice. It's been my experience that a lot of practice managers, depending on the type of a business model they run, you know, some of them don't get into the financials too much. Some of them are heavily ingrained. Some of them do look at their KPIs. Some, you know, that's that's more of the owner, but it just all depends on the business model. But it's it's taken us a while to kind of figure that out. But in that initial, you know, year, coming from a, a critical care background in nursing, I always be- wanted to belong to a professional organization. So when I started to look at, at resources, I think the first AMSPA exposure I had was a business boot camp in Orlando, maybe fall of 21, spring of 22, I can't remember, but that was my first thing. And I was like, yes, I finally found something with resources and other people like me. Because um, <laughs> we we don't have a resume, we don't have a job description that yeah. you know fully encompasses everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And then, I remember my first med spa show, I was like, holy cow, there's a lot of people in this industry and I really need to bring comfortable shoes next year because uh-huh. there's a lot yeah, of walk no, up. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah, that is yeah. A, a big learning thing is the right shoes for those conferences. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Sure. Whenever mm-hmm. I see the folks in the stilettos, um, I'm like, this is your first time here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. for sure. No, but I think it's really interesting. This I feel like practice managers and owners who are involved in kind of the nuts and bolts behind things are a scrappy bunch in this industry. And that's why I think it's really great whenever they can get together and learn from each other because they're really looking for solutions, you know, to whatever their issues are. Exactly what you said, Brandon. Like I was just trying to solve 
her yes. for her need. Like, what did she mm-hmm. need me to figure out? And we did it. I'm sure I, I know back when AMSPA was, you know, three people, that was that was what I was challenged with, figuring yeah. out solutions, mm-hmm. you know. So um I'm excited to have this opportunity at Medical Spa Show to kind of get folks together. Um, and Laura, this was kind of your brainchild. And it was, I know you had reached out to us. And Laura is one of those people that has knowledge just kind of coming out of the ends of her hair and her fingertips. <laughs> it's amazing. And so if you have the opportunity to sit next to her at an event, you will find yourself um, asking questions and she actually has experience in it and she might have some advice or answers to give you. So Laura had, you know, at one point reached out to actually on several occasions said, you know, I'm seeing this gap, I'm seeing a need. And we of course saw it too. Um, so we were able to put kind of our brains together and build this round table, which we all three or all four of us really think it's a, a pretty special, unique proposition at Medical Spa Show that isn't to mm-hmm. be missed. So Laura, yes. why don't you tell us a little bit more about kind of the inception process for this um, this event and what you're hoping to get out of it? Um, I think most importantly for me, or really it sounds like for everybody, is that, you know, this adventure sometimes, and if you're a single location or a smaller location, you're learning as you go. I always say there's self-taught. And sometimes, I know, I mean, we all go through the, we learn it that, you know, the hard way, the hard luck of hard knocks, but um, not that that's a bad way, but Sometimes that feeling of aloneness and not really knowing who to turn to, who to ask a question to, I think that in our space, that is definitely a miss because as practice managers, business development, we don't really have that core foundation. You know, a lot of medical have a, you know, much larger uh, sharing a camaraderie group that they're able to bounce off of each other. But when it comes down to every core function that it takes to run an entity, we don't really, there's, there's nothing out there that I have found it. And I, at every level of business in the medical aesthetic space, no matter what your level is, I think each one of us can bring value at different levels kind of like that team, you know, no matter how great you are on the team, it's important to participate in some way. So learning from every different level, I am learning every day from we hire at every demographic. So I keep them around so I can learn from them. But it's, you know, it's very mutual. We have to be a lifelong learner. And I really think that I, I get a lot of messages with the tone of desperation of clinics at all different levels, literally all different levels, um, trying to find some kind of solution for it. It could be a very serious problem or it could be a minute problem, but nobody has any resources or nor place to go. So the idea is to build really a long-term relationship or a networking mentorship platform or a group and I know coming off of a conference, I I have pages and pages. I am a note taker. I write. You are inundated with so much information after a conference. 
And I love all of these inspiring people that are offering information and I'm writing and writing and writing. But then when you get back to clinic, it's like you take a breath and you don't really know how to, what's most important or how to kind of carve out the prioritize your list and and then whoops now you're just busy back in clinic and then you aren't able to really pull through on anything so I just really want to be able to give a platform for um, practice owners managers to be able to have a concept in which is a much open forum somebody not just necessarily standing up, up on stage where you're able to go back and forth and have an open forum and ask questions. And then we've built these three high categories in which we'll elaborate on, but I want it to be a platform in which all practice owners at no matter what level feel comfortable in asking questions and having somebody else to bounce something off of. So that that's my long-term goal. Yeah, that's what I was really excited about when I was, um when you sent me the kind of the format and um, is is that really intimate, that intimate setting where you do get a chance to sit and talk and we can have communication and a conversation. Um, so many of the conferences, like I, I had mentioned, I had sat in on um, one of Brandon's previous talks at a conference and I would have loved to have been able to like grab him and, and pick his brain, but everybody's so busy running to the next class, you know? Yeah. And so I I missed it, but that's what's so exciting about this um, roundtable, this workshop that we're doing um, at AmSpa this year is because we we will have that opportunity to um, just to be there for people to come and approach us and ask us ask us questions, or maybe they're too embarrassed to ask a question, you know, in in front of a huge group of people. Sometimes that yeah. happens. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm most excited about is just like this this the the intimacy factor of it where it's going to feel like we're all really really close and together and and ask any kind of questions <laughs> yeah yes absolutely i love what you just said because i i was thinking like the last time i spoke at amspa was the med spa show and coming off that stage like you know they people try to flock around and you don't always yeah. get that one-to-one -one time because people do have other things to do so i think this format is really going to allow for a little bit of networking and socialization but also some time to really think about how you could potentially implement something a, a change or an idea into your practice so um, yeah. i'm super excited for this opportunity this year yeah, yeah, so the idea behind the practice management roundtable is we're going to have three sections of the classroom. So it's, again, taking place on Sunday, uh, April 14th. It's uh, all morning, 9 to 11.45. And we're going to section the room off into uh, beginner practices, one to two year practices, and advanced practices. And then our, our thought was we would introduce three topics um, and we'll talk about those in a minute. Um, and then as we introduce each topic, we will then have a chance for each table to interact. Um, so you have an opportunity not just to learn from our leads, our incredible leads here that have so much knowledge, but also each other. Um, kind of what everyone has been saying is there is you know, I believe scrappy people are the most interesting people, honestly, because <laughs> they will figure out how to, you know, how to fix a problem with a shoestring and, you know, and, a, and just grit. 
You know, I love that about, about scrappy people and it, it hopefully we'll have a room full of, of folks that have done this. So um, the idea is to have interaction within the table and then interaction within the whole group. And then we'll do um, that with these three different topics in the morning. And ultimately the idea is that not only will you have had a great opportunity to learn in that time, but you'll build relationships and a network that only will grow hopefully, so that yeah. that we're kind of filling that gap, at least for those who can attend, and then see where it goes from there. But the idea is to kind of do a grassroots um, networking connection uh, start here at MSS. So kind of knowing that, I know our, our, one, our first topic that we'll be talking about is strategic business planning. Brandon is our is our lead on that one. I don't know if you've had a chance, Brandon, to put, kind of wrap your mind around the topic, but that's it's a really really big and important one. Um, mm -hmm. I can speak from AMSPA. Strategic planning is something we close our offices for every year, and we were late this year, um, and it kind of put us behind. But we also were late for a number of different reasons. Like we were kind of changing how we're doing things. We're getting more targeted on metrics, things like that. Um, Tell us a little bit about strategic planning in the actual medical aesthetic clinic, strategic business business planning, and how you're you're kind of planning to address it. Absolutely. So I think it really starts with the practice's goals and really getting back to why they're why they're in aesthetics to begin with. Like, what are your end goals? Do you want to expand the amount of services that you're providing for your patients? Do you want to expand your location? Those are kind of things that we look at year over year. I mean, we look at it, you know, every day in our minds, but, you know, trying to um, set the stage for that, for, uh, you know, the the future is something that you really have to look for your, your personal and professional goals to kind of guide you into where you want to, to start that planning. Um, I think it's very important also to analyze some KPIs and do a lot of research internally to see, you know, what types of things your patients are looking for, as well as what they're requesting. Is that something that's feasible? Um, once you kind of have that data too, then you can start to do a little bit of external research to see if those things are offered locally. Is it worth your time and investment? Does it require staffing and finances? So there's a lot of, of nuances that go into strategic business planning, but once you start with clear goals and, and a defined um, kind of site into what your intentions are and what the practices intentions are, it can really lead you in a path for success going forward. And Brandon knows uh, what he speaks about. Can you tell us a little mm -hmm. bit more, Brandon, about kind of how you've grown your practices? Because I know it's it's you've made some very strategic decisions. You're you're not necessarily wanting to have twenty five therapists there, but you've made some some decisions that are. I don't want to say unique to the industry, mm -hmm. but they're not your traditional kind of scale goals. So can you speak a little bit to your experience in the space and how you've used planning to, to lead you down that road to success? Absolutely. Ashley is very firm in, in her beliefs and the kind of experience that she wants to cultivate for anyone that walks through the door. We have um, signature scents. We have feels and touches in both of our studios. Um, our wellness space is like that as well, but she is solo injector. So literally when I'm not there, she is in the space by herself, checking out, taking out the garbage, injecting, not in that order. Um, you know, <laughs> she is very firm on injectables only. 
we do not have lasers. We're never going to have lasers. That's just not her MO. Just because everyone's jumping on the cutest, coolest laser, um, unless there was a, a, an extreme demand and something, you know, really was pressing. We're very um, in the mindset of we'd rather refer to someone whose passion is lasers because that's not Ashley's. That's not any of our practitioners. So, you know, we try to work together with others in in our area where our studios are located to refer out those services because she isn't that passionate about it. Um, one other thing that she really wanted to do was teach. So she is a, a partner with um, many different vendors as a, a national trainer. And I bake that into her schedule. She does a lot of private training as well. So, um, you know, I want to make sure that she's doing what she is, uh, what makes her whole inside and fulfilled and not just, you know, getting people in and out. That is absolutely not the culture at Ayana Atelier. All right. Wonderful. Thanks. Um, and again, it's not just, we're not going to be in a vacuum as we go through strategic planning. I know Laura and Rebecca will have things that they want to add as well. But one of the topics that we'll move on to in the course is led by Laura, the next one, how and when to pivot, um, which I know is the topic near and dear to your heart. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I I do, actually. Um I think being reflective on multiple different components in business is the only way to know when to pivot and how to pivot. But I don't think it's a lot of conversations and things that we're taught. Um, one, for sure, is we have to be accountable and really look at, we reflect in all of our wins every year and look at our losses. And I am very open and upfront. I think kind of I collaborate, I, I really created this mindset post-COVID. I say po post-COVID, or when we opened, we were closed for three months. Post-COVID, we opened in June of 2020. And it was like the light switch went on at another level. We are a larger location. We have... Um, five medical and then we also have an aesthetic team but it was like the light switch went on and the phones were like this but i learned a lot of things our capacity for months you know almost two years was our, our capacity was barking at the doors let's let's just say we were holding on to the reins but you know knowing the um status of the world honestly we just were not prepared to expand or increase you know we were looking at all different platforms but this is what i learned and if you are caught one before covid if you were caught not being prepared meaning not having a disaster plan um not knowing your numbers um you know your expenses were ridiculous you were giving away the house so if you were caught at that time prior to covid you know a lot of those offices were really weeded out because they really didn't have the financial means in order to sustain their business while being closed. And fortunate for us, we were able to, you know, we sustained, we were able to pay 100% of our employee salaries and all the benefits. But, you know, that took a lot of learning how to pivot quickly, but before a situation would occur. 
my, I'm going to circle back to post-COVID, one of our biggest learning. It's so funny. It's like BC and AD, you know, <laughs> like we are like, before, uh-huh. you know, yes. literally, before sorry, go ahead. It's just like almost every single conversation yes. that I have, it. there's that distinction now. Yeah. I yeah. so wish we could get rid of it. I know, right? I don't Darn think it. we can. I know. <laughs> But what I learned is the volume of patients that we saw in that post year, our volume was insane. We did so many things wrong, so many things wrong. And, you know, we were transactional. We fell into this pattern of being transactional and just trying to accommodate patients and getting in. And we were running at a very high pace. And, you know, our value to our patients weren't anywhere where we speak to as a brand. And we were running and running and running. And here we were, you know, we saw thousands and thousands of patients. But when it all when it all settled and, you know, we did a lot wrong and we didn't you know, do our normal comprehensive plans. We were too caught up in, I call them the singles, you know, it was like the door just kept going and they were in and out, in and out, in and out. But we did a lot of things wrong. You know, we weren't nurturing those relationships. We weren't comprehensing our packages and speaking on a full facial assessment and you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, it was all gone and really learning how to pivot. But there's a lot of things that I I talk about specifically, and we try to meet as, as much as we can. We try to meet monthly as a group, and we talk about our areas of growth and when to pivot. You can't pivot when you're when the phone needs to ring. You have to be making those adjustments before and learning your weakness first has to come first. What is our biggest weak weakness? And and really understanding how to change or approve. 99% of practices, if you ask them, what's your biggest weakest or what's your areas of growth? They all say the same thing. Everybody, what, if you guys had to guess what that would be, what, what do you think it would be? Any guess? Every, <laughs> like every practice, they say, you know, if you said one thing, what is it that your practice needs the most of? I mean, I would say, I would say time. Uh, Yeah, I was (laughs) going to say availability. (laughs) Well, majority of practices who are not at a successful level or at a learning level are, it's always, we need more patients. How do you get more patients? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you get that? It's like always a common question. We just need more people. And when you start really looking at other components and you're really getting into the complexity of, all of the fortunateness that you've had, you know, in building and really getting down to the nuts and bolts of it, you have, there's a lot of different systems that need to be put in place first, because if you're just trying to pivot when you need to pivot, it'll be a financial situation. Mm -hmm. So learning from your past mistakes and really having tools in place to be prepared for when uh, the light switch got shut off in all of our businesses, I know I was on every Amazon event I possibly could be. I was so yeah. mad that that could actually happen. I was, I was so just, serious. Th- this is kind of just a funny side note. I was just thinking about that this morning about what didn't you look forward to the AM spa calls during COVID? It was like that. Oh, was my like, God. Yes. 
Yeah, like every <laughs> week our weekly touch-ins where it was like, oh, yes. how are you doing out there? Oh, yeah. What's I the our people? <laughs> yeah. I just no, I, I thought I, that, that was really fun. I, I think mean, it's really interesting though, like what you're it, first of all, I mean, obviously you guys are doing something right because your guesses were availability and the actual answer <laughs> is how do we get patients? So I think we, you know, we need to say no more about the amount of experience that you have and expertise. But the other thing that I'm hearing is, um, and this goes for most businesses is getting out of that reactionary cycle, right? Where you're just yeah. constantly reacting like what you're saying, Brandon, but when you plan, you must plan and, you know, before it actually happens, like, yeah, I'm an Laura. offensive, yeah, 100% and, but offense. that's getting, I mean, it's, it's not an easy process necessarily it to, and it's, mm -hmm. and it can feel like an unprofitable decision yeah. to like pump the brakes and yes. take a step back. So yeah. I, it's, but it sounds like truly that is the key to, to kind of taking your business, however you choose to do it to the next level. Um, I have to just say really quick, one of yeah. my most favorite quotes is, if you are trying to survive and you're just trying to survive, like pay your bills, pay your staff, whatever, or you for, for that matter, you will never thrive. So if you are trying to survive, you can never thrive. Because mm -hmm. it's just this mindset. And there's a lot of clin a lot, a lot, a lot of clinics who are struggling financially. And you have, you know, there's resources out there. There's tools that you can take advantage of. Um, and they are out there. Because I think too often there's all the stories of clinics who are thriving at these insane li mm -hmm. levels. And, you know, I say they see the flash and dance, but the reality of it is, is, um, you know, being at, in a financial struggle in a clinic and just because, you know, some clinics opened immediately post COVID and were hopped on that ride. You know, if you've been around as long as we have, we're 18 years, like we, you know, we went through a lot of peaks and valleys and that's normal, you know, lanes of business but not everybody is at that level and that's okay mm -hmm. that's okay it really is okay and now i think we're evolving too is really learning how to create a business that can function without you that can you know secondly grow without you you know when you're getting at our levels those are things that we need you know that those are tools that we're learning along the way like can it function without you can mm -hmm. it grow without you you know, mm -hmm. that's, no, well, that's an entity. It sounds like mm -hmm. you have all gotten to that point, though, to your to your point, Laura, it's not like you really anybody starts out immediately, amazingly, replicatively successful. No. You know, you have to at some point hit the brakes and say, I need I need, I need to, help. I need help and I need to ch change this if it's going to succeed. Right. Yeah. And that's OK. I mean, all of us, I mean, I've lost plenty, you know, we all have, and that's okay. You're not just because you're not, you know, you, you're maybe have FOMO or, you know, yeah. the Instagram is very influential, but it's okay if you're, you know, if you're struggling or you're desperately coming to Amspot to, to find resources, what I'm telling you is this will be a great resource from multiple different levels and 
Um, I hope that everybody really is open enough to know that no matter what your level of position is, if you're struggling in any way, that, you know, we're going to really try to, we have the help for you. (laughs) Well, definitely. And I know the third challenge is the one that I hear about all the time, and that's employee management and retention. And again, we're so lucky to have the three of you because I know Rebecca has a um, again, near and dear to her heart. This is, and this is a really, really tough one at all levels Mm -hmm. that I'm hearing about, whether it's going from like Brandon, Brandon's spa with his solo practitioner. If if the decision was made, how do you then bring somebody on, you know, as, and then on top of it, you know, go to Laura's spa where you have a billion therapists and you have a million influencers and, what does that mean for you? And how do you like, do you want to retain them? How do you contract them? How do you manage them? How do you keep them happy? So yeah. Rebecca, tell us a little bit more about how you're uh, approaching that topic at Medical Spa Show. Yeah, yeah. So uh, at the first Medical Spa Show I went to um, in 2019, talking to some other, um, mostly they were clinicians and I was with Julie and one of her colleagues um, was a clinician and she made a joke. She said, the hardest part of our job is our employees, right, Julie? Ha ha, you know, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's so interesting. But it, I kind of feel like it really is, right? Like managing people is so hard, uh, but it's been something that I've been doing for over 20 years, just in, in different realms. Um, and it's, I'd like to say has gotten a little easier. I don't know if it's gotten easier. It just makes a little bit more sense to me now. Um, just learning how to work with different personalities, how to um, light the fire under somebody to get a good productivity. Everybody is a little different. Some some people, you know, you can dangle the carrot. Some people you have to, mm-hmm. what is it? The dangle the carrot or, or show them the stick or something like that. There's some mm-hmm. kind of... Uh, analogy there, but um, everybody is motivated by different things, and it's really uncovering what their motivation is to get great productivity, to get buy-in into your practice, into the culture, Um, but it really goes back to hiring the right people and hiring to Mm -hmm. your, your practice or what you're trying to create, your culture, your core values, if you have a mission statement, go back to all that and and really hire people that that fit into that. And it's going to be a lot easier down the road. Those people are going to be the most productive. They're going to bring in the most patients. They're going to have the most patient retention. Those people are going to show up. I had the majority of our staff showed up after we had to close for COVID. They didn't know if they were getting paid, but they said, what can we do to help? Can we stagger shifts and and just answer the phone, sell gift cards, ship product to patients? And like I said, none of us knew if we were gonna get paid at that point. You know, we had, to Laura's point, um, we had strategically planned and, and, and we had enough money to get us so long, you know, um, without incoming where we, we knew we could kind of pay to a certain point or pay a certain amount of bills to, to a, an extent, but we didn't really know what anything was going to look like after those, uh, you know, first few weeks, we didn't know if we were going to be on lockdown for three months or six months mm-hmm. or two years or whatever. But I was so impressed with my team that 
they showed up, they staggered shifts to where they didn't have to interact with each other. They could social distance and they wanted to take care of our patients. They wanted to take care of the practice and make sure that there were, like I said, selling gift cards or uh, selling product. And I was so impressed with that, but it really goes back to hiring the right people, like I said, the right culture. And obviously they all had a buy-in to the practice. They wanted to make sure that Disappearing Act survived whatever, however long it was gonna take. And and it's kind of like an onion. There's so many different layers to unravel of how to accomplish that with your staff. Um, so that's what I'm excited to share um, at our workshop is some just some key little uh, pearls and, and lessons and best practices that we do here at Disappearing Act and um, Jubilant up in Oregon. And it's been very successful for us. And I'm hoping people can walk away from that workshop with a, at least a couple, you know, two to three nuggets, pearls that they can start right away in their practice and then start to uh, to watch that, the fruits of their labor, you know, bloom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm excited. Awesome. I was so yes. excited. Mm -hmm. um, so we're talking about Sunday, April 14th at Medical Spa Show. This isn't, um, one of the things that we try to do at Medical Spa Show as much as we possibly can is to make your ticket all inclusive. So this workshop, um, these amazing leads have are are kind of donating their time to this, and we're not we're not ask, asking for a, a higher ticket price um, from you. So this is with your ticket. Um, you just have to make sure that you don't leave before uh, before Sunday yes. afternoon. So make sure to stick around. You can take a later flight. It's totally fine. It's yeah. going to be worth it. Um, but you can do that in the registration process. Medical Spa Show registration is open. And um, I was going to say, it's currently Valentine's Day. We're doing a, a kind of a promotion for Operation Mend, which is uh, an organization that we've worked with for a really long time this week only. So I, I think this will be after the fact by the time this airs. But <laughs> at any rate, we will see you there. I just want to thank everyone for being on this podcast. Um, I learn something new every time I talk to you and I'm just grateful for your time and your effort to kind of help those in the industry that, that, you know, need a helping hand. So thank you all. Um, I appreciate you, your Kathy. time and thank we you. will see you back in April at medical spa show. So thank you so much. Thanks. Okay. Can we just see everybody right. there? Oh, real quick before we end, where can folks find you? So if, if they're on socials or what have you, where can they find you? So I'm on Instagram at, at the underscore aesthetic consultant. And you can find everywhere to stalk me in my bio. <laughs> I'm at Becca Aesthetic Practice Pro, and that's on Instagram. And I'm, I'm going to apologize up front. It's kind of a mismatch of like weird, random family stuff and then work stuff. I'm trying to get better about separating. So just bear with me. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because, you know, yes, we have the business and then personal. And I have owned the um, the URL or whatever forever for the tagline. It's called Face It 411. So there's about three <laughs> things on there, but I'm saying that'll be the best resource on Instagram. It's just face it 411. And, and are you on uh, LinkedIn too, you guys? I am on LinkedIn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. 
Yes. LinkedIn. No, you can I'm message me. Yet. I'm not on there. Maybe Brandon, you can help me figure that out. <laughs> it, it's sure. Like, there's too many places. Yes. We're on, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. You're better than I am. I I actually was going to be on TikTok and then I started following my 17 year old son and he like banned me from the app altogether. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My stepdaughters would kill me. I can never friend them. I am on there, though, but it's it's very not cute. I'm not dancing or twerking. That's for sure. Yes. Anybody can always find me, though, at Dermatique Laser and Skin and on Instagram. I'm happy to answer any questions, but I'm so excited and I hope that everybody is able to take advantage of this unique opportunity. And hopefully this community will just continue to grow and really blossom in the education format and learning from each other. Completely agree. All right. Well, we'll see you in Vegas then. All right. right. Thank you. (laughs) We'll see you all. Thank you guys. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, AmSpa President and COO Kathy Christensen was joined by Laura Caceres, Practice Manager and Partner of Dermatique Laser and Skin, Brandon Mullen, BSN, RNBC, Practice Manager of Ayana Atelier Aesthetic and Wellness Studios, and Rebecca McAbee, Practice Manager and COO of Disappearing Act Medical Aesthetics and Jubilant Medical Aesthetics. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.